I love Photoshop, you know? It does a lot of amazing things, but there's, there's something special about getting it right in camera. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte, and I'm here with Matt Rousley. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, and today we have two special guests. We got Scott Burson, also from Hook SEO. Hi, Scott. What's up? And we got Brian Welsh from MIT Portraits. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks. So today we're going to talk about how to use photography to enhance your story. So also, just before we get into it, Scott is in Portland in studio with us for the first time because he's back in town just for a few days from Costa Rica. <sighs> Loving the that's, rain. That's Loving right. The rain. Loving the absolute <laughs> downpour it is outside today. Absolutely. I like it. It was. I walked almost eight feet from my car to the curb that was covered, and I was drenched. I left my sunroof open and then realized it was raining. That was super. All right. So, Brian, what do you do? That's a really yeah. good question. <laughs> I am a portrait photographer here in the uh, Portland Metro Hillsboro area. And uh, I primarily focus on helping people tell their business story through commercial portraits. And then I also do a lot of families and high school senior portraits. Cool. So what what got you into doing stuff like that? Did you just, well, probably not just grab a phone and start well, taking yeah. pictures? So actually, I, I kind of go way back. Um, my dad started our business here in Hillsboro in 1979. So I, when people ask how long I've been a photographer, I say 40 years. But for a while, I actually was in retail and worked for Nike and for some different companies in Portland and Seattle. But photography was always something that was, I guess you could say, in my blood. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking images and having success with them and then became part of the family business. And you could say the rest is history. Wow. I see what you did there. So family, your dad got into it. Are you the type of photographer? Because I, I found that I've seen two different types. There's one type where you have a camera, a few lights, and you're really artistic in everything that you do. And then there's the ones that like the gadgets. They like all of the cool toys, the new lenses, the new technology and stuff like that. Which kind of category do you think you fit in? Yeah, so I guess the uh, simple answer is I'm both. I mean, I really do believe that you don't add complexity unless you need to. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of using one light. And if you can't tell the story with one light, you add two lights and you kind of keep going. But I want to also be the professional that says you could drop me into any situation and I'm going to give you professional dependable results all the time so my clients range from you know a group of 30 that says make this happen to a person that wants to go for a hike that wants you know very simple clean kind of natural light images and I only add complexity when it calls for it so I love my gadgets I love good gear and uh, I think all photographers love good gear. So how do you how do you use photography to go ahead and actually enhance your story? Now, what? Let me get off track. Oh, here we go. Strangely, cool. I do find that I see a lot of times there's I don't know maybe I would call it like the gear paradox where somebody maybe is not really that good of a photographer, so they buy a shitload of gear, right? Quarter for the swear jar, or they're like very technical. They understand what all the gear was or is. And so they also have a lot of gear, right? But if, you know, we're going to go on site for a client, we're going to, you know, hire a photographer or a videographer, somebody to do some, some sh like a shoot or something, right? If the client walks in and there's one guy with a camera and one light kind of thing, a lot of times the client will see it as they're not getting as much value because they don't understand how the whole thing works 
versus if they walk in and there's five lights and some stands and a slider and two cameras and, and all that and they go whoa look at all this gear this is a really professional setup you know what I mean yeah I, so. I completely agree I mean I, again I think it's one of those things that you don't want gear to get in the way of communication there's a lot of photographers who might be technically sound but they don't know how to interact with another person right and they don't know how to get somebody's eyes to sparkle and for their personality to be able to shine through but yes I think it's really important that you also don't say well I would like to be able to do this but I can't because I don't have the gear so having everything on set being prepared and set up and then it's about people I mean, right. technology is great, whether it's the internet or whether it's actual physical gear. But if it gets in the way of getting the results, then it's all for nothing. So I am a huge fan of getting people to be relaxed, getting that sparkle in their eye, getting them to go, yeah, I see a lot of this stuff, but it's just about the two of us making art now. And so, yeah, you, you hit it with saying you have to look like you're doing a professional job. But results are what matter. Yeah. At the end of the day, does this convey the meaning that you're trying to get across is the most important thing. Or, Absolutely. you know, as, as most people would say, it is, do I look good in this photo? Because especially, you know, when it's the social media age, people are going to share those photos or they're going to take a photo of the photo, which obviously degrades the quality a bit. Right. But I mean, people don't know how to scan in their photos and all this kind of stuff. Right. But they're going to share it with everybody, right? They're not if it doesn't look good. But if it looks great, they're definitely going to share it with everybody. Yeah, the days of it just going, you know, in some hallway in some office are gone, right? right. Now it is, like you're saying, you know, shared. One of the things I do is I shoot tethered for the most part. So you can look at the image on my computer, not on the back of the camera, but look at it on my computer. We can kind of go through and, and I actually use that as a coaching point to say, see, I, I really like how you're doing this. Right. I just need a little bit more energy people think they're giving you something when in reality they're not quite there yet so sometimes it's great to just again shoot into a in a macbook pro be able to let them see that and then they can adjust make those fine-tune adjustments and so it's great to have that technology to help coach them sometimes that's what the technology actually allows you to do right they say you lose 50 percent of your energy between your face and the camera yes so absolutely. sometimes you got to like really put it out there right yeah and it depends on i mean i use this analogy a lot so you might have somebody when i say you know turn your head a little bit to the right and they think they move, but they don't. Right. They're like, and some people are bobbleheads and they move their head all over the place. And so being able to kind of show them, oh, the reason I'm telling you to straighten your head a little bit is you're just a little bit off center. And then once they see that, that develops trust. Like, okay, I can see what he's saying and it looks good. Therefore, I'll do it more because the last thing you want people to do is be uncomfortable. Right. So, yeah, comfort, sparkle in the eyes and results. Those are the, the important things. Yeah, I think when it comes to photo and, and video is, is coaching is pretty important of, hey, this is what we're going to go over. This is what we're going to shoot. Like if it's in a business setting versus like portrait photography, if it's a business setting where it's maybe for a commercial purpose, like it's going to be shots for social media, video, that kind of stuff that you're going to use or YouTube or whatever you're going to use those those photos for. A lot of times it's 
coaching the people to get them more relaxed, like you're saying, but also to bring out the message and not necessarily make sure that, you know, your chin is up and your eyes are sparkling kind of thing. A lot of times it's, can we emote this enough so that people are going to understand your passion behind the subject or your knowledge in the subject matter comes out in what you say? Um, uh, absolutely. I, I use this analogy. I used to photograph weddings and it was important for me to photograph why somebody's getting married, not just who's getting married. So if you can't see the love between them, it's just two pretty people in wedding attire. And same thing with a business portrait. I want them to see why you're passionate about and that connection. So when somebody goes, oh, that's the doctor that I want to hire, or that's the dentist or XYZ company, if they don't connect, it's just, that's what they look like. And so that's the coaching part. That's what you're talking about is making it so you see what they look like, but really who they are and more about them in a portrait. There was a study, and I don't remember exactly how they did this study, but they were able to give voter pamphlets to toddlers, and the toddlers would select which photos they liked the best out of the ones for each separate election, and they almost always were able to pick the winner because people pick based on the photograph more than on any of the information or looking people up or anything. They go, that guy looks trustworthy. I think he should be school superintendent. <laughs> Click, you know. One of the things I, I do a quite a few different people running for different campaigns and right. for a while I was completely you know everybody that I photographed won now sometimes here in Hillsborough we have people that run unopposed so that's a yeah. little bit you know easy to do <laughs> but um, it's interesting with a politician or with somebody running for office you do want them a little bit more straightforward looking you straight in the eye where a portrait if it's for more beauty you actually want to see a two-thirds view of the face right. but a politician or somebody that you want to be looking you straight in the eye completely different two different vibes out of it so i think that's the other thing is knowing what the end result is is half the battle so to speak right so i think portraits are one thing but two scott's been living in, in costa rica and working on a couple of different projects down there and he's telling stories through his pictures too so there's this weird line where portrait photography you need to portray yourself in a certain way but how do you use like landscape photography and what you're doing in a way that actually helps enhance your story and tell others what you're doing. Yeah, like mine's selling a lifestyle versus the actual person themselves. Right. So how do you go about doing something like that? I think that probably goes more to you than me. But That's right. me, it's just all I do everywhere I look. I just see beautiful surroundings and snap a picture. So I'm just using my camera from well, my you're phone. pretty good at getting the vibe across, right? Like it's, hey, here's, here's some moving waves on the beach. There's nobody around. That automatically speaks to people because they're used to, you know, going to like maybe an American beach when there's 400 people on the beach on a nice day and there's noise and there's garbage and there's you know whatever else and I mean it depends on the beach obviously but you know when you see a Costa Rica sunset and there's two people walking on the beach as far as you can see that says something about that place and how it's going to be when they go there like oh well that looks very relaxing and you know it's not crowded and, and I could I mean I could snap a thousand pictures a day and I probably do two or three if that and it, it is those moments where you do a double take and it could be a beautiful sunset and it could be it was a you know a rainy day and I'm looking up the street with cars parked on each side and I see the ocean in the background and just something about that drew me to it so so kind of in the photography world there's these 12 elements that we use sometimes to talk about an image and, and one of the things is impact 
and if it has impact and actually draws us into it. So whether it's a, a scene of a beach or a person, if it creates a certain feeling in you and makes you either want to engage with the person or go to the beach, those are the kind of images that ultimately have something you know special about them. And then there's you know simple things like composition and center of interest and a lot of other deeper dives, but it has to have that initial impact. And you feel impact. We see it, but you feel it. I mean, you look at that, you know, sunrise on the beach and you can put yourself there. That's what a good image is. Um, we had Michelle on the podcast in the episode that was launched this week was, was episode 18. So when you're listening to this, it's probably a couple episodes ago about priming your customers. And one thing that we didn't really get to in that episode, but that she talked about in an event that we just did was the amount of actual information you can take in subconsciously versus consciously. And one of those was when you're watching video or looking at a photo, it's something like 4 million bits of information, right? Per instance, I don't know how long an instance is, but and it was 74 frames a second of video, but consciously you can only see like, I think it's 30 or something, right? You can get all this visual information into your subconscious before the rest of your brain, the logical thinking part of your brain actually tries to connect the dots. Yeah, not to get into this too deeply, but there's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink. And he talks about thin slicing and the ability for us to say, there's just something off about this. I don't right. know what it is, but something's off. And conversely, if somebody doesn't see something off, they immediately have trust and they go, wow, this is great. So our brains are so amazing at how they can instantly make these connections. There was a presentation that I did last month about customer avatars, how to make your own customer avatar. But what people didn't know at the start of the presentation is the photo that I used was an AI generated photo of a person who doesn't exist. And even when I I put those photos together side by side with real photos, people have a really hard time picking out which one's real. But if you go back and you kind of look at it longer, you start to get that feeling like something's off about this and you notice like a blurry corner of their mouth or something, right? Or something in the background. There's like a random foot in the background beside a car. You're like, oh, what the, you know, why is this here, right? Because the AI doesn't know that there shouldn't be a foot on a car. It's just taking all of the photos it's ever seen and trying to recreate a background. And a lot of times your brain can pick out those things. But again, it's also come a long way in a short time. It's not going to be much longer before you can't. Well, one of the things too is computers probably won't be good at differentiating perfection. So all of us have one eye that's bigger than the other and right. you know, maybe one ear that's a little different. And that's what makes each person kind of unique and special. And, and I kind of almost talk about it from the standpoint that like when you listen to a record and you see the hiss and the little bit of noise, it's kind of fun actually to not make it just so perfect. So you want it to be really, really good, but you want it to be human and not right. this sterile fake thing. Fake is no good. Right. You definitely don't want fake. And I think that people see that a lot in, and I mean, you probably in your work, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, knowing an eye for seeing portraits and stuff already, when you go and look at what I would call kind of 
corporate made advertising, you can tell like this is not this person's child, right? Or you can be like this kind of perfect setup that they made is so perfect that it's not real. And then I think people pick up on that and that's why their advertising doesn't yeah. do so well sometimes, right? Because yeah, it's you not. see it a lot like in certain brands. I see it mostly golf is one of my passions, right? So I can tell when it's a model holding a golf club right. that's never actually hit a golf ball. He's just not, he, he's not holding up properly. Right. You see it sometimes in beer commercials, right? You see it with People, musicians. Right, ex- exactly. They're holding, somebody is an actor and they're holding a guitar and you're like, no one would hold a guitar like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I, my dad taught me this a long time ago during a session and it was this girl who was playing the violin. And so I use this analogy every time I'm photographing a musician is if I tell you to do something and you know you wouldn't hold the guitar, the violin, whatever it is like that, please tell me because I don't want your peers to go, who's your photographer and what are they thinking? So, and it goes across the board for whatever the instrument is, but yeah, you see it in advertising all the time. Yeah, Um, constantly. Somebody, yeah, faking it. And so, yeah, it has to be authentic and that's where whenever possible, I like to use actual employees of companies demonstrating this is where we work and it's fun to work here versus, yeah, bringing in a bunch of models and just having people go, they don't even look like they know each other. So I think that that's an important element too, whenever possible, but not everybody is comfortable in front of the camera. So that's the other half. It's true. Some of us have a face for radio. (laughs) That's right. So here's fun, semi-related fact. Mm -hmm. The way that I learned Photoshop originally, I was just messing around with it and stuff, but I got a job working with a company out in the Midwest and the graphic designer that we had, his previous job was editing out people from like corporate board photos and stuff. Like if somebody had left the company or been disgraced or, you know, went to jail or something, right? He would Photoshop those people out and re-Photoshop in the background or Photoshop in the new photos. Like they would just take the old photo down and put up the new one with the exact same photo, but the person's not in it anymore. And that was his job. He's the one who taught me Photoshop. So it was kind of a weird... That's interesting. That's sort of related. We, we do composites Just, where we right. photograph everybody individually and then can extract somebody or add somebody to the real estate group or, you know, whatever right. it is. Uh, we've come a little bit since those days. <laughs> That's right. Well, so, I mean, it was 20 years ago. So right. you're talking about you, you were taught how to use Photoshop and stuff like that. But, Brian, you do, you do some traveling and you do some teaching. So how did you come into doing that? What do you teach? Who do you teach? And why? Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So I I think uh, I found a love for public speaking actually in high school. It was something that came pretty naturally to me and my dad was also traveling and being a speaker and a judge. And so I've just always kind of been in that element. But one of the things I really love doing is teaching and sharing information. So you asked, you know, what do I teach? And there's kind of two different groups. I teach to hobbyists, people who love photography, but maybe aren't professional and, and need to enhance their skills and then I teach all around the country also to actual professional photographers and so kind of going to the hobbyists one of the things I want them to do is just get better Facebook pictures better pictures on vacation you know you see those people who it's their 27th wedding anniversary and and they're at their restaurant and it's a silhouette of them or, you know, a dark picture of them. Now, everybody on Facebook says, oh, you know, cute picture of you guys, because they're really just saying we love you. But it's a really bad picture. So I would love for them to get the best picture they can when they're out and about. Or, you know, you go on vacation and somebody's at the Empress Hotel and 
and they're just up against the wall. You don't see the hotel. So helping people understand how to use all the professional mindsets to get just better vacation pictures, better photos. And so that's a passion of mine. And then I also want my other professional photographers to be at the very top of their game. You know, there's never been more love of photography on a hobbyist or professional level. But I don't necessarily think the quality is as high as it was back before the barrier of entry of digital. And so I, I'm really passionate about getting people to up their game and to have fun, right? Photography is, is a lot of fun. So those are kind of the two different groups. And I've been teaching professionally for 20 years now. This is actually my 20th year. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, if I had a dollar for every backlit vacation photo that I've seen where you can't see their faces or anything, all you can see is like the light of a doorway around them. You're like, I can't even see what you're trying to take a picture of. Fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fix that in post. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's that's the other thing is I love Photoshop. You know, it does a lot of amazing things, but there's there's something special about getting it right in camera and getting it so that you can say this is a true representation of what I felt and what I saw when I was, whether you're up in Victoria and, and you want to showcase what that looks like. I think there's something to be said for coming back with pictures that then you don't need to spend a whole week in your basement in right. the dark. Victoria as a sideline is really, really nice, by the way. Is it? Yeah, it was just there a couple years ago. Nice. Yeah, it is one of my favorite places to go. I've probably been there five times, All right. and I love it. They have a good museum there, too. It's the Royal Museum of Canada is there. The Absolutely. Historical Media uh, Museum of British Columbia is there. There's a great little tea house in that hotel right around the corner. And there's a restaurant there called Il Terrazzo. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite meals, best meals I've ever had. So if you, and there's a bunch of really good restaurants up there. So oh, yeah. it's, it's a great place to go. Yeah. As long as you have some dollars in your pocket, it's not cheap in Victoria, but it's definitely worth a visit. Awesome. But I guess we should get back to uh, what we're talking that's, about. That's probably a good, a good spot. So Brian, how, if somebody wants to learn more from you or, or to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? The number one way is to go to my website and it's mitportraits with an s.com and on there you can not only see some of my work but there's an about me page and you can you know learn about my corporate stuff that I photograph you know make inquiries about family portraits and um, about some of the classes that I teach around the country you'll see that on my schedule. Perfect. So um, just kind of before we close it out here a lot of our listeners are business owners freelance Usually the small businesses, you know, under 20 employees kind of thing is kind of our people who listen to our podcast the most right now. So a lot of times there's someone on their staff or them who's actually taking the photos. Maybe they just go buy a DSLR or something, right? And they want to go take some photos. What do you think if you could give them maybe one quick tip on how to just improve what they're doing right now? What do you think that would be? Yeah. So one tip that sometimes 10 different things come to my mind. I think it would be lens selection. A lot of times I see people photograph with a lens that's not a portrait lens. So they might use a 35 millimeter to photograph somebody's face and it distorts it. And so really knowing lens selection, the camera height is important a lot of times. So if you're not at the proper height and you're shooting up on people, that creates a, a certain dynamic to it. So lens selection, camera height, a lot of just simple things that can be learned is a great way to make it look more professional pretty quickly. 
Sure. And uh, so, Scott, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. I know you didn't have a lot to say today, but... No, hey, thanks. Glad to be here. So if somebody wants to come to Costa Rica and hang out with you, how would they go about doing that? They purchase an airline ticket. And? And they let me know. Perfect. And I have a guest room. Awesome. There you go. Not for everybody. <laughs> go, <laughs> go hang out with Scott. Uh, there is a screening process, it appears. So thank you guys both for joining us, and I look forward to seeing where your businesses go in the future. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we talk about disrupting negative customer expectations with David D'Angelo of D'Angelo Auto Sales and Scott Burson of Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.